You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little Left Jab Productions present Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarn. The Schmada Kid. Boom! Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. I'm Dave Zarn, joined as always by a man who I think could score 20 points if he was playing alongside LeBron James. If Della Vadova could do Here it, Dan Baker, DB, <laughs> unbelievable man. Look at LeBron, crazy. Best player ever. No, he's not. Okay. <laughs> and as always, joined by the coach, Kevin McNutt. How you doing, coach? I, I told you, leave my man alone. The Australian is getting it done. Oh, the Australian's yeah. getting it done. The wow. homeless Marky Mark. See, there you go. Leave him alone. I'm telling you, Mark that's Wahlberg. My man. You hated on him hard two times. weeks ago. You still he, hating on him. He will, I, he will injure you. Stop. I stop talking about <laughs> it. Yeah, me, Mark. Back. How you doing, me, Mark? I'm good. I'm good. No, look. All I know is I said, I know, Coach, you were the only one here who said mm-hmm. the Cavs had a chance last week. In six, baby. You were the only one who said it. Yes, sir. But I just remind you what I said. I said, Cavs only have a chance if LeBron has like a 35, 15, and 10 line. And I did say it kind of like laughing. Uh-huh. He's like 41, 12, and 8. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Lord, what the hell? This is my craziest LeBron stat. I, people know he set a record, 123 points, first three games. No one's ever done that. Number two mm-hmm. on his team mm-hmm. is Mozgov has 39 points. Uh-huh. What the hell? That's well, we got a hell of a show this week. <laughs> nice. We got a hell of a show this week. We have one of the great social commentator slash comedians in studio. Social commentator, comedian, comedian, social commentator. The orders can switch. W. Kamau Bell. He will be joining us. That's a good show. That's a good show. Jam-packed, baby. And let me give you this one little LeBron stat. You want a little LeBron, LeBron stat? A little something to tickle your funny bone? <laughs> We're getting it anyway. You are getting yeah, it. Yeah. All right. Your show. All- <laughs> <laughs> so bitter. <laughs> all right. The- LeBron holds the all-time record for leading his team in points, assists, and rebounds in a playoff game, like in the same game. He's their mm-hmm. top guy. Mm-hmm. Points. He- he's done that in 35 playoff games where mm-hmm. he's been the number one guy mm-hmm. on his team in points, rebounds, and assists. Yes. Done it 35 times. Yes. Number two is Larry Bird. Yes. Not so surprising. Yes. You know how many times Bird did it? 13. 13. Mm-hmm. That's right. How'd you you jumped that? on his stat. Hey, How'd you do that? Hey, man. You just jumped on my stat. <laughs> I'm sorry. Man, we got to go to break. I, I, you're the star. I'm sorry. My <laughs> what bad. the hell? That's messed up. You know what? Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Live with that spoiler. We got to go to break. We'll be back after this. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. 
Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio, joined by the coach. Kevin, how are you doing, coach? My man. And me, Mark. How are you doing, me, Mark? So good. In the studio, we have comedian, author. No. Talker. Yeah. Yeah, singer. <laughs> Soul singer. Doors at karaoke. Nice. The man himself, W. Kamau Bell. Kamau, how you doing, sir? Good. I'm going to clap for myself. Yay! Yay! No, everybody you got clap back, for We got all these people here. Aren't? That's what you're supposed to do with the radio show. You're supposed to, yay! No, this is nice. This is great. But it's great to have you here. First of all, what brings you to town? You're here in Washington, D.C., man. You're, you're living out in Berkeley. What yeah, brings you here? Yeah, I came to the exact opposite side of the country. Uh... I'm doing a free show at the Kennedy Center tonight, uh, mm. and then I'm doing I'm on a benefit show for the Ally Coalition as a part of Pride. Very nice, very yeah. nice. Yeah. I got to tell you, when you do these free shows at the Kennedy Center, people line up to get in. Really? Yes. And then, but when if you make political jokes, it's so interesting because we saw this when we saw Hari Kondabalu, your old yeah. running mate there, yeah, yeah. and it's like th- there's this weird tremor in the crowd sometimes because <laughs> people work for a lot of the people you're making fun of. <laughs> Kind of like the uneasy laughter, the yeah. are their cameras around laughter is kind of yeah. Amazing. I mean, it's a it's a free show, so I sort of feel like you might just come in because it's hot outside. So <laughs> I, I sort of a little bit worried. I'm not worried. I just I know that it's not going to be the my average audience. So we'll see what happens. Well, this is the place where sports and politics collide, and mm-hmm. you coming from the Bay Area, it would seem bizarre to not ask you about the Oakland A's. No, about the <laughs> about the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, uh, buddy. Down two games to one. Two games to one. Still with a ton of swagger. When they like Clay Thompson today said, you know what? Our offense will get right and when that happens we'll win. What what is the feeling in the Bay about this team right now? I mean I think uh I, I, the Bay's a little shook. We're a little shook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not, I'll keep it real. Uh, we're a little bit like, oh, that's not what we were expecting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we people still believe it. But also, I think people are so used to the Warriors doing absolutely nothing that we'll probably give them a parade just for getting there. Mm. <laughs> we'll probably just like, look at you, Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Uh, there will be, there will, they will be much love for the Warriors. I think somebody made a good point. Uh, I was watching some ESPN yesterday. Uh, his and hers on that show that uh, Jamel said that people I think we have to be careful of thinking that if, that the Warriors will definitely go back to the mm-hmm. finals because that history shows that you don't always go back if you think oh the window's just opening up and you know it was like the obviously with like the, the Thunder is the most recent example yeah like oh this is just the first of many oh no we're done okay we're yeah done. oh we're done yeah okay. we're done oh we're never oh we're the whole team's getting broken up and sold for parts okay <laughs> <laughs> no uh, the, you see that all, all throughout sport I mean yeah. Dan Marino makes the Super Bowl his second year yeah and he ended up playing how many years did he play Mark. 16, 17? I, sure. I should know this. But <laughs> you I should know this. You're the football encyclopedia, I, I, I man. absolutely don't know exactly how many years. A lot of years. Wow. Yeah. So do, have you gotten to meet anybody on the Warriors? <laughs> no, I've been traveling for most of the for most of the time. We moved back to the Bay in August, and I've been traveling most of the time. And I know people who work for the Warriors who tell me that I could go. So I'm just going to wait and see if we get a game seven. And I'll be like, hey, what's up, man? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, be that tacky black. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you said I could get tickets. Um, <laughs> half court sounds good. Uh, so I haven't, but I do. I, I I'm sort of holding on to the fact that every city I've ever lived in that went to the NBA Finals won the NBA Finals. Now that is skewed by the fact that I lived in Chicago in the '90s. I was gonna say, <laughs> so, <that's, laughs> so it's not exactly profoundly the, skewed. Yeah, exactly, uh, it's not exactly the best sample, but I'm holding on to it. Steve like, Kerr connection. Yeah, yeah. That, you know that that's something I I wrote this article about, and people got 
really mad at me. I've gotten like all this hate stuff, but a lot of love too. That's how you do. That's how you do, though. About like you know David Blatt and Steve Kerr, the two coaches. David Blatt was in the Israeli Defense Forces, mm-hmm. holds dual American-Israeli citizenship. Every, it's funny to see every press conference somebody asks some. They, they let an Israeli reporter ask one question. Yeah, and it's usually not about the game. It's about how proud are you to be representing Israel? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's not like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he praised the bombing of Gaza and um. And then Steve Kerr's dad was this, like, brilliant Middle Eastern scholar who cared deeply about the region and was deeply critical of Israel and whatnot. And I guess I wanted to ask you, like, what is your experience when when you go there politically? I know you've talked about Israel-Palestine. You've Mm -hmm. made comments Mm -hmm. coming Mm -hmm. from the Bay. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it gets a different reception than in other parts. I mean, of the country. I mean, it's funny to go from the Bay to then live in New York for two years, where that's a, you, you feel like, oh, it's I can't just. I mean, it's not the same thing here. Like in the yeah. Bay, we're very. I feel like the people at least I hang out with because uh, are very. You can talk about the Israel Palestine thing, and you can talk about Palestine. And I mean, I directed a show called, called I Heart Hamas. Mm. Uh, that was a one person <laughs> show. <laughs> How quiet it got in here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a, as a woman who's Palestinian American, Jennifer Jaje, about her experience being Palestinian American uh, and. And then she spent time in Ramallah. And so I, I've directed that show. And, I, and and then you go to New York City and you go, oh, it's a little bit different out here. Yeah, just it's a wee. A, yeah, just a wee bit different. That East Coast uh, defense of Israel is a little bit more full-throated. Intense. And then I went to, uh, I was in Scotland for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And then it's it's completely flips the other way. There it's totally all about Palestine and Israel is the is the evil empire. Damn. So, yeah, that which was really an eye-opening thing. I was like, we could talk about that? You mm-hmm. know? So it's uh, – I certainly feel like the, the problem with the, the challenges as a black guy who's not Jewish, I know when I step into that thing that it's like there's just landmines everywhere I go. Yeah. You know, so, but I, feel, I also feel like it's, it's hard to – because when I directed the one-person show, it was hard to sit down and hear the, and hear the story of Palestine from a woman who's Palestinian-American and hear from that perspective with nothing else around it and be like, oh, wait a minute. I think I'm on your side. <laughs> like, you're just sort of like, wait, oh, wait, uh, uh, I'm a black guy. I think I have to default to this side as, a black, it, as an American black guy. And it's weird, like, being a Jewish writer and writing about it because I always get, like, if, like, since it's been, like, 20 years of being called a self-hating Jew, and I, yeah. I just want to have a T-shirt that says any self-hatred I have has nothing to do with being Jewish. The stock, <laughs> the stock answer, yeah, any yeah, of those so, issues are I mean, it's not just, religious-based. It's just weird to me because when, when you hear the story of, of Israel, like, okay, Okay, so then, so then somebody gave them the land. Like, wait, gave? Like, yeah. like, like somebody gave them? Like, mm. how do you, but you know, and then that's where it becomes as a black guy because you go, wait a minute, it's like, oh, like America was given to the uh, people who you know, to the people who invaded. Yeah, and that's you know, I've debated a lot of folks from Israel viewers, and one thing they say to me sometimes is like, well, wait a minute, you call us a settler nation, you're a settler nation. Why should shouldn't the United States be sanctioned if we're going to be sanctioned? And I'm like, where do I sign? Exactly, I don't yes. disagree with that. I'm sorry, I'm ready that's, for all of it. That's yeah. fine logic. Yeah, yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's like, I, I agree with you. No double standards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's sanction all of us. Yeah. <laughs> San- sanction. sanction locally. So you're doing this Pride um, event, mm-hmm. an ally and an ally event, too. I wanted to ask you about this uh, because, like, we're both uh, straight guys who do stuff around LGBT issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking about this today because did you ever have, pardon the expression, like a come to Jesus moment where you grew up with a lot of homophobic ideas and then just sort of said, wait a minute, this is not the way I want to be? I was thinking about this the other day. I, it was in Chicago. Chicago, when I lived in Chicago on the north side uh, of town, I, and I, I moved to the north side. It was my first apartment, studio apartment, and it was on the edge of what Chicago affectionately calls Boys Town. Mm-hmm. 
uh, which is, I don't know if that's, I, I, I don't know if they call it, if the gay people who live in that part of town call it Boys Town, but that's what it's oh, called. It's not just town. a big orphanage? No, it's not just a big orphanage. <laughs> it's more like Boys Town. Oh, boy, that's ridiculous. Uh, sorry about that, everybody. But, uh, so I remember one night I was I was headed home on a, on my bicycle, and I the fastest way home was down Halstead Street, which is through the heart of Boys Town. And I remember on my bike going down Halstead Street, and I'm like 21, 22 years old. At night, Friday night, bars are all in the streets. Awesome bar names. Gay bars have the best names. Oh, yeah. The manhole, the loading zone. Yeah. Uh, and I'm running down the street, and I remember actually being afraid. Oh, I got to go through the gay part of town before I get home. Oh, God, I hope I make it through a lot. <laughs> like this real sort of like, mm-hmm. and then after I rode through it, really having this more like, what the hell is wrong with me? Mm. That I would think that something I would that I was actually physically nervous about it. That, mm-hmm. I, that in some sort of silly way, nobody was paying attention to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that was I remember that moment. That's the moment I realized. I looked up later. and was like, oh, I, I have to rethink about the kind of person I am. And at that point, I wouldn't have thought I was homophobic at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that that's the interesting thing about it. And I'll tell you this: when we come back from the break, I, I could tell you my come to Jesus story. All right. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. But I also want to talk to you about the Denzel podcast. Sure. How it feels to be so identified with this thing because it's coming kind of a phenomenon. It's. A, I mean, it's. A, it's artisanal. Uh, is, it, is that how you see it? Yeah, it's like it's like there. You, we're connecting with the people who need to who need to hear it. It's a, it's like a cult at this. But point. isn't it kind of like artisanal, but blowing up like garlic mayonnaise? Yes, we're the garlic mayonnaise of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Like but, the yeah. sort of you know, yes. like 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 a like a poached salmon or something. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like it was fringed, but now it's, it's like, like you get it at McDonald's. It's like Chipotle. Yeah, like at oh, first like, very yeah, nice. Like, yeah, I mean the the spice, not the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The the restaurant is uh, kind of tasty. It is. It's become the only food my daughter eats. Uh, which is an all Chipotle family now. Kind of <laughs> very disturbing. Uh, but hey, we got to go to break. Well, you can follow us at Edge of Sports. Maybe Coach and Mark will chime in after the break. Or we'll not. be back right no, after this. Don't move. Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. Still got Kamal Bell in the house. How you doing, Kamal? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And me, Mark. How you doing, me, Mark? So good. And Coach, how you doing, Coach? Rolling today, baby. Rolling today. So this was my story. You told the story before we went to break about going through Boys Town, mm-hmm. how that affected you. I guess if, if, I'll tell mine just in fast forward here. It's like I as well. I'm in college. I'm like, there's no way I'm homophobic. You know, mm-hmm. my mom worked in an AIDS clinic when I was a kid when it was known as the gay plague and so it was just always something in my life that like no you don't discriminate and I was on the phone with one of my buddies back in New York and I was and we were just like laughing and making fun of each other and we were dropping f-bombs yes back and forth laughing back and forth f-bomb 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 not thinking like kind of like you know the beastie boys like their Mm -hmm. first like license to ill was going to be called don't be an f yes that was yeah. going to be the name of it and says so like gr- very much how i grew up like back and forth back and forth i get off the phone i'm smiling i have this very soft spoken roommate he's got a girlfriend he's like this kind of a jock dude very soft spoken he says to me hey i really wish you wouldn't say that and i said why and he said because it upsets me it's homophobic and i i like you know i can talk <laughs> and this dude can't talk yeah. and i debated him like into the floor about how I'm not homophobic and how it's just a word. And, yeah. and he, how dare he say this to me? Do you know where my mom worked? Ah. You know, I was doing like every mean trick. I was 18. You know, every yeah. mean thing in the world. And, and his face was red. And he was just like done. And he was like, 
all right, man. All right, I'm sorry I brought it up. I'm sorry. And I was like, all right then. And he's like, it's just that, you know, I found out last week that my dad is gay. Wow. And I was like, I am the biggest horse's ass <laughs> in the world. And it was just like, and that that's what just started me like looking yeah. for yeah. answers. Like, where yeah. does this word come from? Why do people use it? What do they feel it defends them from? Yeah. By so, using it? So basically yeah. you tried to pull the Chet Hayes on him. The, uh, What's the Chet Hayes? Chet Hanks, Tom Hanks' son, who put up a clip, oh, last, that's right. a clip about why he can use the N-word. Yeah. I know What's black wrong people. with that kid? Say what now? Coach is like ready to whoop somebody's ass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks' son has fancied himself a rapper. I think he's got maybe an album out or something. His name is Chet Hayes, and he's his son with Rita Wilson. So that kid was born into lots of money. It's not like his son from the bosom buddy days. No. So he's a rich Hollywood kid, probably, and he has and he fancies himself a rapper. And he released a video to explain why he can use the N word because I know black people, and I'm when I use it, I use it this way, and I think I should, you know, it's it's the same, it's the same argument. The Madonna, that Madonna says the same thing. Yeah, which is- and the internet went. <laughs> but as it should. No, 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 no. I want to hear what you say about it. What I say about the what about the N word? Just the whole scenario you just presented. presented. What? About white people using yeah, it. I mean, like, oh, oh, about that? I think this. I say in my act all the time. Uh, uh, you can use the N word when you can deal with the consequences of using the N word. Oh, mm. <laughs> so so if you can deal with the consequences of right. using the N word, go ahead and use the N word. And, and so and so when I, I do it in my act, I go, "Does anybody want to say drop the N word now?" And I go, "Does anybody want to drop?" And you know, and people go, "No, we're good." Yeah, because you don't want to mm. deal with the con- so I feel like that there are every word is not the same. Every it's when we sort of act like, well, it's just a word. Every it's like tools in the drawer. Some some yeah. tools are the Ginsu knife and some tools are the spork. Mm. And so you have to treat every tool differently. And so mm. I feel like it's if you want to use it, I'm not telling anybody not to use it, just be prepared to deal with the consequences. Mm. Mm. Mark. Uh come out. Yes. Uh, interesting. Love love your comedy. I, as someone who grew up really loving stand-up comedy, I think mm-hmm. there's a, a there's a good portion of it that is just kind of terrible right now. <laughs> I there, I mean, talk, I would only disagree and say that it, there's always been a good portion. of Yes, it absolutely. I mean, there there always there always will be. Yeah. At, yeah. When you talk about kind of rape culture, honestly, the thing that's bothered me uh, most recently is this whole Jerry Seinfeld, oh, yeah. the the voice of the PCness that's destroying comedy and people can't take jokes and things like this. I, it's ridiculous. I'd love to hear your take. Uh, what do you think is ridiculous about it? I, that, I, that people shouldn't be allowed to be offended by things? I don't know. I necessarily oh, the, think, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Jerry told a hacky joke. People didn't laugh, and he says, oh, it must be PC culture. Well, right. it's so funny because nobody has ever accused Jerry Seinfeld of being edgy. So I don't know what. <laughs> I know, I where know, does that come from? And I'm not. I, Jerry Seinfeld's a great comedian, one of the most influential stand-up comedians of all time. There's no question. But I don't know why. I don't know. I, I've seen Jerry. I saw Jerry Seinfeld two years ago with Hari. We were in New York when we were working on the show, and it was he was playing Madison Square Garden, the theater, doing a benefit, and we were like, "Let's go across the street and watch that." Uh, <laughs> and he's got—he doesn't have any jokes for college students, first of all. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what he, what Jerry's really saying is, "Man, it sucks to be 60. That's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. It's about the fact that he—and first of all, he's not playing colleges because they can't pay him enough to play mm-hmm. to pay him, but. Everybody ages out of being able to talk to young people eventually. Mm-hmm. If you live long enough, everybody gets to the point where like they can't ref- they don't have the same references as young and people. And to reference the Denzel show and your your buddy Chris Avery, 
uh, he's not KRS-One. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like he's yeah. not doing the five and ten dollar shows yes, yes. just to stay sharp. Yeah, yeah. You know, because no. maybe KRS can't speak to an 18 year old like Kendrick Lamar can, but he is going to do his damnedest yes. to be of that world. And he's also t- he's he's tailoring himself to that world. He's like, look, I'm here's where I am. Mm-hmm. This is where you are, and I'm building a bridge to you. Yeah, KRS w- doesn't pander. Whereas Seinfeld's going to go on stage and tell his Viagra jokes, and young people are going to be like, what's Viagra? Oh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's, like, so I just what's the you, deal with airline peanuts? Or he's going to talk about they how, don't serve how, those anymore. How being married with kids is a difficult thing, and he'd mm-hmm. be like, I don't. So <laughs> I, I, there aren't a lot of, and I talked about this on Facebook, and people didn't get it. There's not a lot of 60 year old comedians touring college campuses. Mm-hmm. There's not. Maybe there's none. Maybe Lewis Black occasionally, mm-hmm. but there's not. You you eventually comedians especially get too old to go talk to young to go do comedy on college campuses mm. and so that and also and political college college campuses are supposed to be more politically correct than the outside world that's why we have college campuses yeah I mean isn't that the point to try to te- like like my experience with that roommate it's yeah. like you're you're going there to get your head out of your ass yes yes and, and if you're, and if the college isn't taking your head out of your ass then they're putting your head further up your ass and we don't want those people walking around yeah and that happens at many a college yes. Yeah. Come on, I liked your perspective on Denzel and just what you just said about 60 and speaking on college campuses. I'll tie that into Bill Cosby, your thoughts on, uh, <laughs> on Brother Bill. It's a light topic. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, uh, my thoughts on Bill Cosby, first of all, I have two daughters. Uh-huh. So uh, I have to be anti-rape as, a, as an intellectual way, but also as a real world. I want my daughters to go out in the world being protected and know how the world is. And I... and and. It's complicated. Historically, women haven't been believed when they've when they've claimed that they've been raped or sexually assaulted. Totally. So I so I'm I'm on team ladies. There's the other part of it is that historically, black men have been accused of things they didn't do. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, the, there's enough evidence against Bill Cosby that if he didn't do it, he needs to say something. I don't. I believe he did. I believe he did a lot of it. I don't know what he did, but I certainly believe that he did that he did these things. The problem becomes. And this is a problem we have to ask ourselves every day in society now. Can you separate the person from their work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I, I, it's going to be hard to take Bill Cosby himself out of my heart. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know yes, what I mean? Uh, yes. And yes, when sir. people ask me who are my yes, favorite sir. comedians yes, and who sir. was influential to me as a, as a comedian, if I don't say Bill Cosby, I'm lying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, but we are at this place now where it's hard, we want to, where, you, where we know everything about everybody. And if we had, if we'd always known everything about everybody, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have ever It'd left. Be really our hard. Yeah. And, and it's also we're coming out of an era. I hope we're coming out of an era, but we're coming out of an era of a hundred, a century of show business, and a century of patriarchy with mm-hmm. show business bestowing certain privileges mm-hmm. on people. So it's very difficult to find a man, black, brown, white, who is in the world of entertainment, who didn't do something terrible to women because he could. Yes. Because it was part. Of that world, and it doesn't excuse it by any no, no, stretch no, no, of the no. imagination. But it's the, the context of people got of it. that world was, was pretty the show business was gross. Show business was uh, established by gangsters and criminals. Like, like yeah, you know, it was not. It was not and established they, and, by. And they didn't treat women particularly well. No, it was just, it was described by the worst people who were like, "Hey, let's see if we can turn some of this gang." I mean, it's like Vegas was established mm-hmm. by the by the mob. Uh oh. No, that's real. Uh, that's Bill Cosby calling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, th- it's, I think that it's like show business encourages everyone, once you get inside of it and you get any sort of love and attention, to, to it invites you to to play into your worst version of yourself. And the, the whole I and- said, get me a burrito and coffee! You know, it's like- <laughs> 
And like I, I was telling you before the show, I, I interviewed uh, Richard Pryor's widow mm-hmm. the other uh, yesterday. And you know the stories that she has about Richard are are, are deeply upsetting. Yeah, and no, and, and Richard was pretty honest about the things he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but it's like, it, what do you do with their artistic canon once yes. you learn this? Yes, can we separate art from artist? And do we hold comedy? This is something Mark I think about a lot. Mm. Do we hold comedy to maybe a different template that we hold, say, music or athletics to? Because in comedy, a person is basically selling themselves. So then it becomes perhaps more difficult to separate it because it's like Bill Cosby's telling stories about his life. I think the Bill Cosby thing is problematic, yeah, because he claimed to be something other than he was. Yeah, he's he not Jim claimed, Brown running over runners, and you could say, wow, that's an amazing run. It's, it's the same thing as, same thing as with Denzel. If, if we suddenly get some scandal of Denzel doing something like that, it's like people will feel like they've been, they've been taken. Because mm-hmm. you know? uh, Bill Cosby claimed to be, I'm going to be a version of, of African-American maleness that you can love and support, and I will be the, I will be the, the example for the world. But Bill doesn't have his glory because if something horrific happens to Denzel or, or about Denzel or we learn something, there will always be this canon of art where you can yeah. just be like, say what you want about Denzel. The man could act. Yes. Well, I mean, Bill Cosby is, one of, is, again, one of the most influential comedians of all time. Yep. True. The Cosby show was seminal for me because at that point I, there weren't a lot of black people on TV and the black people on TV weren't living a life that I could relate to necessarily. Because I didn't come from the quote unquote hood, mm-hmm. I can't. My life looked more like the Cosby Show house than it looked like, uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, boys in the hood. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Chicago and Alabama. Oh wow! Yeah. I knew about Alabama. I didn't know about Chicago. Where in yeah. Chicago? Hyde Park. Hyde, like you know, right near the University of Chicago and the University of Chicago High School. Yeah. Wow. Do you go to lab school? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you know Nico Berry. Uh, yeah, oh. no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I Just went there we do the, it on the air. I went there with the Obama girls. We were all in school together. Nice, R. You know, R. Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from Hyde Park. Yeah. From... Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. went to Ken- Kenwood. Kenwood, yeah, up oh, to Kenwood. no good. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Dave's dropping names. Pretty soon he's gonna tell you how, you how good a basketball player he was. <laughs> well, I was, <laughs> which he wasn't. Well, I was. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I don't understand. Five eight, five eight center. Five oh, yeah. ten. <laughs> you went. I. I you kidding me? People used to yell, Jesus, Jesus. No, that was a movie. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, after this break, you know what we're going to do? We're going to talk about the Denzelets. We're going to talk about Denzel Washington. And we're talking about a podcast that has become this unlikely sensation. I'll say it. <laughs> Who saw this coming? We'll be back right after this. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. Dan, I like that song. What is this? It's a funky groove, man. Uncle Sam, goddamn, by Brother Ali. Oh, nice. Uncle Sam, goddamn, Brother Ali. Very nicely done. Cool points for Dan. (laughs) Joined by the coach. How you doing, coach? My man. Me, Mark. How you doing, me, Mark? Still with Kamal Bell. Hello, Kamal. I'm still here. That's awesome. (laughs) Man, thanks for the coffee and the water. (laughs) Really. Coach is so mad. Uh, Taking care of. I mean, I understand there's only one coffee per. Per episode, I guess. So I got it. I mean, you got it. Yeah, you got it. There's coffee you can't for just you. Let everybody coach. have coffee and water. I mean, come on. Uh, it's there on. for you, coach. Move on. It's I'm America, but there's I'm different Americas. This, what happens on this show to all our fans? I, oh, it's, man. it's only for one percent. Appreciate show, our guests. <laughs> so I, I want to. 
actually just jump right in with this. The Denzel podcast. Denzel Washington yes. is the greatest actor of all time, period. That's the name. You got it right. Most people don't get it right. Mm. Some people say Denzel Washington's the best actor ever, which is a different podcast. Screw yes. those dudes. I know. I, you guys have this whole, like, Biggie Tupac beef Yeah, with yeah. Those dudes suck, man. Oh, man. I They're suck. doing the movies in backward alphabetical order. That's why it's not even... <laughs> We're reviewing every Denzel Washington movie mostly in alphabetical order. Mm. Uh, we skip around a little bit, but... And uh, and then we are now we're having guests on, and we had we just... Yeah, it's... Uh, one just dropped today. We interviewed. We have two fans who started. One runs our Twitter feed just because she was sad that we weren't doing it. <laughs> we didn't mm. have it. She got the Twitter. And then another guy that we found out lives in Russia. We just interviewed him. He's on the podcast. Igor. Today. Igor. He lives in Russia. We were like, let's call that guy up. And it was like, oh, Skype. Oh, he's in Russia. He lives in St. Petersburg, Russia. Wow. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, I get that you can get podcasts all over the world, but Russia? Uh, that's my own racism. <laughs> I just yeah, but it's just funny. Some white guy from Russia who's like 22 years old, who goes to school, is a big fan of our podcast, and has a website called Welcome to the Denzelishness, where he keeps track of all the stuff we do on the podcast. And I, I assume he's a fan of Denzel as well, or is he? Just no, that's why we're yeah, fan? No, no, he, he came to us through Denzel. He, okay, he, he. I guess he heard somebody, maybe one of us, talk about it on another podcast. Yeah, no, it's it's creating a whole new level of fans for me. People come up to me as uh, today, uh, and I am a Denzel. It's like a yes. funny little like. A little like yeah, it's a little like a little code. I'm, I'm a yes, like I did. A, I did an event, and this guy came up to me after. He goes, and I just want to say I really respected all the Denzelishness you had tonight. <laughs> like it's a little secret. I love it. Well, what, it's what totally I, ridiculous. What I find interesting about Denzel is that I feel like he's in a category alone that not even Brad Pitt is in, no. where he's never embarrassed himself. Do you know what I'm saying? It's no, like, yes. what, like Name another actor or actress who hasn't done something off camera that just make you kind of go, ugh. He's not, like, he clearly does not, he does, he's not on no social media. Factor. There's no social media. He's not, wherever he lives, he doesn't, there's no TMZ factor. It's right. Like, you've never seen that picture of him at the grocery store holding one of his kids' hands, looking at the camera like, mm. you've never, there's just, yeah. he clearly, I think he's old, I think he's really super old school, like the old Hollywood thing where you didn't know anything about actors. It's kind of nice. He's of that era. He got, I think Sidney Poitier probably sat him down at some point and said, here's how you mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. took that baton from Sidney and he's still holding the baton and nobody else wants it. Nobody <laughs> else wants that. Like, he he is. I mean, Denzel's going to be on the black of fans in Baptist churches at some point. You know, yeah. what I mean? he's like he is a he is an icon of blackness big, that's way bigger than acting. But, but he, he's not adopting like a quintuplets from Cambodia no, and no. walking around with them strapped to his back. Nobody knows what Denzel does when he's not in a movie. Nobody yeah. knows. Any, nobody other than the fact he says he goes to church. That's all <laughs> we know. <That's, laughs> and, and that he's from Mount Vernon and he loves the Boys and Girls Club. Yes, because he's done those yes, commercials. Done that's those his commercial. whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is the Boys and Girls. So what is it about Denzel that's so awesome? What, I mean, what's the je ne sais quoi? I think it is that thing where he is. He's a. He's he's weirdly like one. He's like the last actor, the last black actor who has to be a little bit of a civil rights leader. Mm. Like he's the he has to present an example of what blackness should be and black maleness should be, and he knows he's doing it so that black people are watching it. They walk out of a Denzel movie feeling better about the world or that the world is somehow a better place because he's in it, as wow. opposed to when you go see a, a, a Will Smith movie. <laughs> like you just yeah. go, that was good. You yeah, I mean, I mean, Will Smith tried to do it. He tried when he did Ali. He tried to sort of like step into that, and that's a hot spot. He didn't. He didn't enjoy that spot. No, and, and you know what? I, I'd I'd rather watch Muhammad Ali play Muhammad Ali. Yeah, I'd rather watch the Will greatest Smith. than watch Will Smith. Right. Play yeah, Muhammad the Ali. greatest. The movie yeah. Yeah. Ali played himself. And I and I, that Ooh. movie is so true. I mean, I, I feel like Will Smith's like number four on the list of things wrong with that movie. And the, yeah, and the first three are Michael Mann. Yeah, which is shocking because mm-hmm. Michael Mann went into that movie on the crazy hot streak. 
of Hot Streaks. Yeah. The Heat and The Insider. And then you're like hearing he's doing Ali and it's like, ah. Oh, I don't know. I was always like, ah. I believe the way Spike Lee said it best is that yeah, just there's, there's a reason that like when, when Martin Scorsese directs a mobster movie, He's going to have insight into that world that that a director who's not an Italian American is going to have, and therefore there's an authenticity to it that you can feel in like The Godfather with Coppola. Mm-hmm. That you that if somebody else directs a mob movie, it's going to feel like a mob movie. And I feel like that's what that suffered from. It was just like there was there was a lot of it as a black person. I was like, that's not how it went down, or that. Even though I wasn't there, I think I know. You know, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Norman Jewison tagged to direct Malcolm X? Yes, and that's when Spike, Spike Lee Spike like for actively it. agitated. Yeah, that's when he said that he actively agitated to get Malcolm. X. And whatever you think about Malcolm X, it certainly feels like it was that black people were involved in the production of it. Like, you know, it's not like mm-hmm. in a way that like Hurricane is a great movie, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel as black as Malcolm X feels. I mean, Malcolm X had uh, and Roger Jewish Thomas from yeah. What's Happening as one of Malcolm's yeah. lieutenants. That's like, even that, even that. that even, is nice. It's like putting let's in somebody remember from Ernest What's Thomas. Happening into Malcolm X. You go, oh, look at this black movie. <laughs> <laughs> He would go, he got that dude a job. <laughs> so so what's your, uh, I, oh, do you think, uh, this is interesting, because you said the thing about um, having to present an example. Yeah. Do you think he has shouldered that because you have things like, like Wesley Snipes' problems? That, I mean, like I think other, he picked that up before there like was a pre, Wesley Snipes. Before, think, people, before the attrition he, of Larry Fish, Lawrence Fishburne, yeah, Wesley yeah. Snipes. I think he, because he I mean, Denzel, it with Denzel's that. 60. He just turned 60 last year. Which nobody mm-hmm. realized. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Good black don't mm-hmm. crack. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as, as Coach knows, he's looking over here. Coach looks amazing. Wonderful 35-year-old man over here. Uh, but I think he... <laughs> My brother. Yeah. He said, there's, a, there's an awesome clip online of Denzel at some sort of media event for something where he's talking about how early in his career... I don't know, can we swear? Is serious? You can swear. Yeah, swear all you want. He's, he's talking about how he got offered a movie, he said, and, he said that, and he says the title was something like The Nigga That Wouldn't Die. Mm. And it was something like this: this black guy who they keep trying to kill him, and he keeps not being killed. And he said it was, and he describes it. And he's hilarious because it's totally clearly an exploitation piece. But they were going to pay him a lot of money. And this was in the set before he had done a movie before, or maybe he'd done Carbon Copy. And so he was like, "It's a lot of money, and should I take it?" And he says, "I talked to Sidney Poitier, and he said the choices you make early in your career are going to affect the rest of your career." Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't think people think that way anymore. I don't know if that's even true in the same way, but I think. By fact that he was sort of knighted by Sidney Poitier and that he mm-hmm. was able to reach out to Sidney Poitier and talk to him, I think he, I think he started out. Uh, think about it. First movie he's in is a movie called Carbon Copy. Mm-hmm. The crazy comic premise of the movie is that a white guy has a son with a black lady. Mm-hmm. That's the premise. That's the entire. <laughs> <laughs> that's the com- the movie. The comedy premise is: What would it be like if a white guy had a child with a black lady? Mm-hmm. Let's find out. <laughs> I mean that, and so he's that's that's a movie that only makes sense as a comic premise if you're talking about the civil rights movement was ten years before, you know, what right. I mean? like the heart of the civil rights movement. I think Denzel is aware that like he can't that his image means more than just his image means more to black people than Brad Pitt's will ever mean to white people. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably more. To his, Denzel probably means more to black people than Brad Pitt means to his family. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, and, and, uh, and I and I know that's crazy. I know that's crazy. Uh, but I'm a social critic and commentator. Yes, he's got a lot of family. He's got and he's got a lot of family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like number three, I think. Yeah, exactly. Right. Angelina means more to them than he does. But uh, but I just think that he Denzel still takes up that space. I do this. I do this show, The Bell Curve at college campuses, uh, by end racism in about an hour. And uh, there's a picture of Denzel I put up in the show. Denzel again. And there's college students, 18, 17, 20-year-old uh, kids in the audience. And college 
young girls in college still like, woo, Denzel. I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you about that in particular because, um, you know, I'm doing this book about Jim Brown. Yes. And there's a uh, African-American film critic named Donald Bogle who yeah. said very famously that Jim Brown was the first black actor who was allowed to have a penis. Mm. And he's talking about specifically distinct from Sidney Poitier, whose roles were desexualized. Mm-hmm. And for all of his greatness, he was never in a position of being a sexual being mm-hmm. on film. Does How does Denzel, how do you feel he does in that regard throughout his career? I think Denzel has chosen roles that, that I would say don't sensualize him. They may sexualize him, but they don't. There's not a lot of Denzel love scenes. Yeah. And usually if there are, they're there to prove some later point. Like there's one in Devil in the Blue. There's there's, there's a great one in Devil in the Blue. But dress. it's like it's the wrong sex. He's having he's having sex with a woman whose husband's in the other room. However, Jennifer Beals in that movie, they they have a sexual chemistry and you and I remember seeing that movie back in the day like, "Uh-oh, they about to do mm. the deed." And they don't do the deed. You know, and and you go, "Why wouldn't you?" I think he again, I think he has he he in a like their uh Pelican Brief. We talk about that on the show all the time. He, a movie with Julia Roberts. That movie, mm-hmm. if that movie was two white actors, they would have sex. Yeah, mm-hmm. but because it's, I, from what I hear about Denzel, he's not into trying. To, especially at that point, he wasn't trying to look like he was having sex with white ladies on camera because mm-hmm. he knew that would affect his, his uh, status in the black community. When does he finally have sex with a white woman on camera? It's in He Got Game, where he's playing the worst dad of all time. Yeah. <laughs> that, Jake Shuttlesworth. Yeah, that's yeah. when he finally has yeah. sex. It, again, it's the and wrong. It's with sex. a hooker. It's with a, yeah. it's, it's the wrong sex. It's not. It's not. It's not sex for love. It's sex because he. You know, it's sex for uh, control and for I just got out of prison. It, and, it's yeah. implied, I mm-hmm. think, in the film that it's. Pretty Prison sex, yes, yes, which is um, says a lot where Jake's head is at. Yeah, and that yes. that was a rough part. And listening to your podcast about that, I mean, it, it was it was deep. Like that he willingly took on this character who was going to be the center, but yes. not a good person. And that and that's it's funny it's because people think of like Training Day being the first time Denzel played a bad guy. Yeah, Denzel has played a lot of guys who you could call bad guys. Jake Shuttlesworth. I think is way worse than Alonzo from training. Yeah. You know, like I think that. You know, at least Alonzo has a code. Yeah, exactly. At least <laughs> Alonzo does lock up Snoop Dogg. That's something. Uh, <laughs> We've been waiting for that yeah, in the yeah, music but, community. But Jake Shuttlesworth is not. Uh, I, I, got, I got to jump in here. Sure, please. Should he have gotten the Academy Award for Training Day or other work? I mean, certainly, I remember I, he. This really bothers Coach, by the way. It bothers it me, does. too. I've, I've talked really about on the podcast how I'm going to go to Kevin Space or no, uh, Kevin Al Pacino's house oh, Pacino. and yeah, steal yeah. his Oscar for Sin of a Woman to give it to Denzel for Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. He was nominated for Malcolm X, but Pacino won for Sin of a Woman, which is probably not in the top ten of great Al Pacino movies. Mm-hmm. So it's people rarely really get the Oscar movie. for what they should get it for. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just the first thing. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, he lost the Oscar for Hurricane mm-hmm. to Spacey. Kevin Spacey for American, Beauty. for American Beauty, which American Beauty's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. It's totally fine. It's, it's, it's totally. It's got fine. zero rewatchability. No, it's a, nobody sits back and goes, "Let's rewatch America." No. It doesn't air on. If TNT's not playing it, it ain't watchable. People, <laughs> people show Hurricane in law schools. Yes. I mean, yes. people study. Yes. His performance. But you remember the it. thing about that movie? They they got in trouble because they because there was a lot of elements in the movie that were fictionalized. And that's what the controversy was one of the reasons I think Denzel didn't win the Oscar because they got into a lot of trouble for fictionalizing elements of the hurricane. Doesn't that only affect black stories? That sounds very Selma to me. Yeah, because I think – let's look about A Beautiful Mind. Remember Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe? That dude was apparently, from all intents and purposes, a secret gay reprobate. Yeah. Like, yes. you know, like now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. I got friends who are reprobates. I've done some <laughs> reprobatic things, but it's that was completely cut out of the movie for the idea of he's this he's this tortured genius. 
Oh my god! And Russell Crowe wins the Oscar for that, or it was at least nominated for that. But anyway, that didn't it didn't affect that movie. Yeah, it didn't affect it at all. Yeah, it didn't affect it at all. We're here talking to Kamau Bell. Yeah, it's it's coach. Just I, we, the the one minute we have left, I want to get your thoughts on He Got Game, or we could even hit it after the break. What are your thoughts about He in, Got in Game? In terms of what I, I love the movie, I just want a general yeah. general review because you're those a ba- thought, those you're, are thoughts. I loved it. You've, you've been in this world <laughs> and, and here's the deal. for so long. <laughs> I'm not of basketball, on right. AAU. <laughs> you've lived that for so long. I'm not so going heavy. Well, that was good, but I'm not going heavy on there. It was based on Earl Monroe. Really? Yeah, uh, because he all remember he highlighted how he was telling. Uh, Ray Allen, how much he grew up watching Earl Monroe. And mm-hmm. there was some footage of Earl Monroe right there. So then I'm hooked because, you know, that's yeah. my favorite player from all yeah. the time. I gave you that but, book. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I've been reading it, too. I haven't finished it. That's a big book. Uh, the, the Bell Curve. I love that name, man. Yes, sir. I love that name. And you know, you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. That's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a dog whistle for people who know what's going on. Right. Yeah, W. Bell Curve. Good W. Bell Curve. My man, man. No, that's really cool. Hey, we got to go to break we'll be back to wrap up the show dave zyron will continue with edge of sports radio after the break edge of sports radio returns here's dave zyron boom we are back on edge of sports radio wrapping up the show whole time with kamal bell how you doing right. kamal good man i hope it's okay i stayed i refused no, it to is. leave so i wouldn't let you make a phone call or i did want to check in though i don't know if you know this kamal but mark has a contention that Johnny Manziel is going to get his head straight. He's going to put down the liquor. Going to put the, down the, the the pink syrup or the purple syrup. This is the hill I'm going purple, to die purple on. Drink, purple and drink. Purple drink. Yeah. There you go. Well done, coach. <laughs> and that's what, and that he's going to have a good year. Now, the latest news from Manziel, two mm-hmm. points, in a, and I want to know how this fits in your thesis, All right. is that he's been at the Cleveland, he was at the Cleveland Games, mm-hmm. playing Golden State, sitting there, front row, yeah. celebrity, ties it up. And it was announced that he has a new roommate. Yeah. And it's his high school football coach. Absolutely. <laughs> this That's is true. Funny. I know. Like it's at funny. his house? Like yeah, in his house. In his house. Okay. This, not like in training camp, but at his no. house. His high school football coach. Like, do the dishes. Oh, I, man. Like, it's like, what's that movie? Wedding Crashers. Mom, here's a meatloaf. <laughs> this is going to be a great part in the biopic about Johnny Manziel, like 15 years Oh, yeah. His high school football coach moves in. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Be played by Matt McConaughey. Matt oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that would be great. And Johnny Manziel, played by. Denzel. Yeah, Denzel, course, as Manzel. No. Denzel as Manzel. Denzel as Manzel. It rhymes. It, I, it no, counts. It's, it's marketing. It, so we'll, be in, it? we'll be in a post-racial society by then, Coach. It'll be 80-year-old black man playing Johnny Manzel. Question for you. Yes. How do these things affect your prognostications? I still, do they make you more or less confident that he's living with his high school coach? A little bit more. I don't know. I don't know. It's like Unless he's going on benders with his high school football coach. He is. I, <laughs> we don't know that he is. I think, I think this is good. I think all he needs to worry about is beating out Josh McCown, taking that job, and then it's okay. He's, this is going to be a monster year. It's happening. Do you know how many people in this country get drunk with their high school sports coaches? It's <laughs> <laughs> all the time. That's why they're that's not why this people time. coach high school. Not this time. That's why people actually get into the profession of coaching high school sports. Coach knows what I'm talking about. Hey, I know one thing. You're going to cry next week if uh, Cleveland wins this series. So now, take that. Oh, oh <laughs> pull no. your money where your mouth is. Oh, no. Want to make a bet? No. You want to make no. a bet? I don't either. Uh, this doesn't look good. Hey, that's all the time we have this week. Kamal Bell, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, Sam, thanks so much for being here. Woo. Me, Mark Barry. Coach. Dan Baker, and of course, Noah Tilton. Thank you, sir. I know his mom. St. Albans finest. His mom is awesome. 
Edge we are out of sports radio where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.